<laughs> am I here or am I not? <laughs> All right, I can hardly wait to say it. All right, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, front row. Let's all try to warm up everybody. Here we go. One, two, three. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Woo! All right. Now I'll think. Uh, I'll think the lights have uh, electricity's gone out. Are, uh, are we gonna? Are we gonna try and move forward here? Oh, okay. You know what? I'm gonna move forward anyway. And uh, <laughs> it's it's wonderful. We were actually told ahead of time that. Uh, uh, the electricity went off uh, further down the block, and they're wondering about this, but I see some lights sort of dimly on, so uh, that's, that's okay, and I'm going to preach by the light of, uh, of oh, there we go. <laughs> I can see your faces. This is awesome. Well, let me tell you, uh, I love uh, seeing you all come back, and uh, there are some faces I have not seen yet since the summer, so welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Let's, let's give a big hand for those who have come back. As you can tell, in the fall, there's a lot of new things. We've got a lot of new things. We've got the new T-shirts. I asked, I said, hey, you know, can I go and wear one just to show everybody what it's like, you know? And they said, no, Dave, you are not a newcomer. I, but, okay, well, how about if I buy one? And I said, no, I can't, I, I can't even, I can't even do this. And so, if you are a newcomer and you don't want the T-shirt extra large, okay? Here we go. Uh, go and get it, turn in your information, just hand it off to me. Oh, man, and there's some other new things that are out there. I've seen some of you come in and look at our, our table with booklets. We've got a bunch of booklets that uh, we love here. We have one called Reasons to Believe, actually a Canadian bestseller. And uh, it has, it has we've, I know there's at least 7,000 copies of this uh, out there. If you're on your way to God, if you're not sure about God, if God even exists, this is a fun booklet for you to read. So take that. And uh, there's one called Be Still. If you don't know how to have a regular time, a regular devotional time with God, please take this. And here's the new one. We have not put this one out yet. And this is just talking about the gospel. If you've been a Christian for a long time, and uh, this, this really sort of digs down several layers deep into what uh, some of the culture stories that we're talking about. So this is out there. The price for all of these is zero dollars, all right? Zero dollars. And uh, we are able to be generous because of your generosity. And we do all this generosity because God is so generous to us, isn't he? Just isn't he generous to us? So today we're going to go over two spiritual practices as, uh, as we jump into the second week of spiritual practices. Let's pray and get into God's Word. Oh God, you're so good. You meet us at our lowest times. You meet us at the height. You just want us to be with you, connected, plugged into you all the time. And, and for this, God, we're, we're putting aside these four weeks to look over spiritual practices. Father, I pray that this will be more than information, that this would, would stir in our souls. I, I invite you to do that, Holy Spirit. Stir our souls so we have just different ways to meet with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We started off our series saying we all have desires. We have desires for friendship. We would love to have friends. I'm sure that's the case with all of you, especially those of you who are in university. We have a desire for love. 
We have a desire for recognition, for security. We have desires for significance. There's all these desires. We have a desire for coffee. And I see some of you could not put that desire aside, even in the service. God bless you. As followers of Jesus, we recognize that every single human being has another desire. It's a spiritual desire. It's beyond all the desires that we could list. And this is, this, this, it feels like this desire for something more, this unsatisfaction with life. You can travel the world, you can have all the, the low-fat lattes you want, and you can have all of that, and yet there's this emptiness. And that is, uh, that is because there is this spiritual hunger. Uh, this is a very famous C.S. Lewis quote, but it just so goes, so I had to pull, pull this out, and many of you know it, could probably even quote it to me, but it's beautiful. He says this, if I find, myself, uh, a des- uh, if, if, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And I can't say that's, that's how true that is. One of the many, many, many proofs that there is a God is that there are religions around the world and anthropologists will go in and discover a new tribe somewhere in some jungle somewhere and guess what? They know for sure, this one thing they know for sure, there will be religion there. Why? Because it was you know, imported from, no, no. Because in the heart of every person, there's a desire for the spiritual. There is something deeply within every single human being The Bible puts it this way in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. So every single culture, every single person, there is this eternity desire in each of our hearts. And so the first week of the series, we camped out on the whole idea, I have a soul, I have a soul, I have a soul. Can we all say that together? One, two, three. Let's not brush over that. You have a job, you have relationships, you have uh, yeah, all kinds of things. But you have a soul. And that's something we don't pay enough attention to. Uh, you, you're more than a body with hormones and neurons. You, you have a soul. And Jesus asked the question, is there anything worth more than the soul? Is there anything? And like our, our intellects or our social parts of our, ourselves or our bodies, each one of these things need to be fed. In fact, I heard a great definition of boredom. Boredom is there's one section in your life is not being fed. Okay, if you're bored in an area and all of a sudden you take a course and you go, oh, this is so amazing. Or I, you listen to a podcast. Yeah, because you're feeding your intellect. And that's amazing. Oh, I'm just so bored. Then you go to a party, you hang out with people, you go, oh, I've needed this. Why? Because I fed my, my social part. And there's some of you that go, I'm just uh, not doing well. Well, get out and walk. Get out and run. Do something with your body, right? Because after you do that, you go, oh, I feel better. Why? Because you fed something. Of your, so so it's, I thought fascinating things. So you're bored. I don't know what to do. Well, what area in your life is not being fed. And then the question is, how about your spiritual hunger? Because everyone has spiritual hunger, but we just have not named it that. And maybe you said, oh yeah, no, you know, I get some exercise, I've read some things, it just falls flat. I, 
I don't know what's the matter with me. Well, maybe, just maybe, you need to feed your spiritual hunger. This is not just something that's left aside. God feeds into this because God takes the initiative. He first, we love him because he first loved us. So God takes the initiative and, and, and creates these hunger pains in us. Have you ever like hung out in one wing of Limeridge Mall? And, and it's an area of the mall that has this certain store in it. And they bake Cinnabons there. I think they don't vent outside, do they? They just blow the vent through the hallway. So you just go and, I, you know, I have no desire for Cinnabons. I have no desire for, uh, you know, extra pastry or fatty foods until I walk even near that place. And all of a sudden, I got, you know what? I've got this strange desire for Cinnabons. You know, I, I need them. And this is what God does. This is what God does in our life. He, we all have this spiritual hunger, and then he wafts Cinnabons to it. Well, not really Cinnabons. But anyway. He goes and says, it's me, it's me, come to me. And often we don't recognize that. We don't recognize it as spiritual hunger. We, we looked last week on some, a set of verses that God initiates this. God initiates this. He, 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 he initiates it, then waits. This is a way of God. He knocks at the door. He doesn't bust the door down. He says, I'm coming in whether you want me or not. No, he knocks. He says, invite me in. Guess what? I'm going to feed your soul. Isn't that awesome? He knocks. He brings flowers. He asks for a coffee date. He, he goes like any lover and says, come, come. And when people don't, he's not this stoic that, that does not feel anything. He, there's so many times in Ezekiel, there's a whole chapter, and I'm going to read a section in Hosea where God just seems like the spurned lover in Hosea 7. By the way, if you want an interesting book of the Bible to read, read Hosea. I'm going to read verse, uh, verses 14 and, and 16. And God says this. They do not cry to me from their heart. They do not cry to me from their heart when they wail on their beds. In other words, people, his people are crying, saying, oh, my life is horrible. Everything's going wrong. Everything. And he says, they're crying they're not crying to me. Well, don't you care, God? Well, well, maybe just like the book of Judges, you know, some bad things have come, so people would come to him, and, and God says, okay, come on, come on. But no, they just cry about their life, and they don't cry to him. For the sake of grain and new wine, they assemble themselves, yet they turn against me. They, they, they come on, party! Woo! You know, grand new wine, you know, I don't know what, college campus kegger, I, I, you know, whatever you do, right? You go together and friends and have a lot of fun. You have a lot of fun. And then they turn away from me. Can't you tell the, can't you hear the spurned lover of this? And then this one phrase, I love this phrase. They turn, but not upwards. They turn, but not and so not only do we have this, this desire in us that, that God initiates and, and stirs up, spreads, spreads the Cinnabon fumes around, but then sometime we need to get off the couch and open the door because he's knocking. The thing is, the people who have done that, 
have been highly blessed by God. We, uh, Jesus' disciples, we often put them down, don't we? If, if anybody said Jesus' disciples, I know what most of you would think, uh, almost number one on the list of disciples, right? What would you think about in general and as disciples? You would say, number one, they're not all that smart, all right? He did not pick the smartest ones. He did not pick, you know, the, the ones that were... Uh, you know, just the best pencils and the, you know, P Peter going, and Matthew, the tax collector, and you just go, why did he pick all those people? That's usually what we think of number one. It's sort of a negative thing about the disciples. Can I tell you one thing about the disciples that were amazing? Each one had a desire to follow Jesus, and they dropped everything and did. And they became the twelve. They all had the desire follow Jesus, they dropped everything, and they did. Now, if you're not religious, if, if God just sort of brought you here, and you're here on, on uh, uh, you know, on, on our, uh, our website, welcome. If you uh, came with a friend, that's fantastic. If you don't really like the whole God thing, but you're here, thank you. This is the church for you to come to. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this, that the reason why you're here might not just because your friend invited you or you're here to hear somebody sing. The reason why you're here is perhaps God has drawn you himself because he loves you so ridiculously much. And he calls you to step into a living relationship with him. Then there's those of us who are in relationship with God, and he still calls us. He, he wants us when we're in trouble to go to him. He wants us when we're happy to go to him. I was listening to one Old Testament scholar. He said, you know what the great thing about the Psalms? There's lament Psalms saying, God, this is horrible. There are some Psalms where they're angry at God. God, how could you? There's some Psalms, God, you're amazing. He said, you know what all three have in common? They're all talking to God. And that's, really what he wants. Not out of guilt, not of, out of obligation, but out of relationship. And like any relationship, you can get in a rut. You can get bored. That's why we have a workshop coming up in November, Creative Ways to Read the Bible. And so what we're doing now, we're going through several spiritual practices that might be a little different, just a, a wee bit different, out of the box, just so perhaps you can still come to him and have some amazing times in creative ways. The first one I'm going to be talking about, in fact, uh, most of these I'm going to be drawing on the Celtic monks, because I was on a pilgrimage and uh, hanging out with the Celtic monks. So that's, uh, I, yeah, so that's why I'm, uh, I'm leaning on some of what they're doing. Uh, so this one, I'm going to try and say it. I'm going to try and say it. Okay, here we go. Okay, it's peregrinatio pro Cristo. I have to say it Italian. I know it's Latin, but I have to say it Italian. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Basically, it means wandering with Christ. Wandering with Christ. Walking or wandering with him. Taking a hike with him. It's, it's leaving the familiar that lulls us into a mindset, mindless routine. It breaks cycles. It's like a mini pilgrimage. It might last 30 minutes or it might last an afternoon. I've, as, as I've read about it, these monks had this call just to wander out of love for Jesus. They would say, I'm going to go and wander with Jesus. And, and that was a part of the, the Abbey's understanding that they, what they were going to do. 
in total perfection back in our history, God would come the cool evening in twilight and walk in the garden, and he'd call Adam. There's an assumption there that he came to walk very personally with Adam. And, and he had this invitation, where are you? Come. It's our time to go walk together. And we know the rest of the story where he hid. It's interesting as, as the Bible unfolds and, and stories are close together, it's important. We have to pay attention. Just two chapters later, the, the Genesis talks about somebody that walked with God. Somebody that walked with God. And, and so you say, hold on, God walked with Adam. Two chapters later, somebody walked with God. And, and actually, he was somebody that was dedicated. This is found in Genesis 5, 24. It says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, <laughs> for God took him. That's about all we know about him. Uh, Enoch means dedicated. In the, in the book of Hebrews, it describes him a little bit more. Hebrews 11, 5 to 6. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. So therefore, we knew Enoch had faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Check. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. People of faith. Do you know he rewards you? If you sincerely seek him, like Enoch, perhaps even going, taking a walk with your best friend. Every so often I read that Jesus was in the wilderness to pray and nobody could find him. We all assumed that he was sitting in one place because that's what all the photos showed. But I'm, I'm wondering, as Jesus walked through the wilderness, that he just walked with his father. What does this mean for us? This is a spiritual exercise, <clears throat> a spiritual discipline to say, <clears throat> I need to get closer to God. I feel it. I want to do something. What do I do? Do what? Go for a walk. Go for a walk around the block and, and just say, hey, God, I love you. Here's what's going on in my life. Sometimes as we walk, it's easier to talk instead of sitting in a chair just waiting, and all these distractions of the familiar, but sometimes just going for a walk with God is, is an easier thing. I know some people have turned this not just even for our relationship with God, but to pray for people's communities. And there are movements now that we are walking around people's blocks and praying for people. I know Helen does this. She walks around and prays for people, and when he, she meets them on the front yard, she tells them she's praying for them. And it's something else to see the witness of that. So, how can we stir up? How can we stir up our walk with him? Go for a walk with him. I'm going to combine this with a second Celtic, uh, Celtic monastic tradition. This was called back then uh, landscape as theophany. Landscape as theophany. Uh, theophany is, is a meeting of God when, when, when God shows up. When God shows up. And, and so using the landscape around them as, the, as meeting God. In theology class 101 that I went to, God talks, uh, the, our, our class talked about God reveals himself. God is separate. He's different. He's far away. 
And so you just can't take a telescope out and see him. He's of a whole different dimension. But you know what? We can, we can understand him because he reveals, he comes down. He tells us things about him. And generally, he reveals himself in two different ways. And it's interesting, Psalm 19 talks about the two different ways, back to back. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. And then it keeps on going, talking the decrees, the commands. It's clearly talking about God's word, the Bible. The Bible is the clearest way that God reveals himself. That we can take, and we know that he reveals himself. But also in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4, is the second half of how God reveals himself. And I think many of us have heard this before. But put these glasses on as we read this. The heavens... Declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Uh, they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. If you pay attention, you are walking in a sermon. A continual sermon when you're in God's creation. God is whispering, sometimes shouting, sometimes waving in creation. And we just want to get to the car and turn on the radio. We just want to go and buy whatever's in the store. And we walk by this continual sermon again and again. And so the Celtic monks saw that and said, hold on. I want to hear God in the Psalms, in the Scriptures, in the Gospels. But I'm going to go outside and use landscape as a way to meet God, as a landscape as a way to reach theophany. As one writer said, uh, George Washington Carver, uh, he says, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if only we tune in. If only we tune in. Uh, the book of Romans says that every people group on earth is without excuse because they've had a sermon. They've been walking in a sermon their whole lives. Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created... People have seen the earth, the sky, that through, through everything God made, they can see clearly his invisible qualities. You can see all the qualities of God, his eternal power. He gives a little taste of that, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And so what does that look like, Dave? You hear the storm come. You hear the storm come. You go, okay, are all the windows closed? You know, I, we got everything. Or... Do you run to the window and go, I want to see this. <laughs> I want to see the power of God come. I want to see, I'm, hope, I'm hoping for lightning. Rah, lots of lightning. I want to hear the thunder, the rumble, to remind me of his power. Have you ever saw, oh, wow, it's getting late. Sun's going down. Stop. Okay. There is a sermon happening right now. You go and watch at his creativity as, as the skies just change in colors. And you go, God, you are so creative. And if you wait, and if you listen well enough, you might hear, and I did this for you. I did this for you. So you could worship. And you smile. You take a deep breath outside. As you breathe in, realizing the whole, the whole of creation, you're, 
You're alive because of oxygen. And you, you just see how this place is so perfect, so perfect. And the rain comes down and water is being recycled so we can live and drink. And you go, God, you are amazing. All, all these things are so, so precise. I believe this is what Jesus was doing when he told the people saying, hey, hey, look at birds. All right? You, you need a sermon? Look at birds. I go, why? Well, God is the provider. <clears throat> These birds are flying everywhere. They're getting seeds everywhere. Where'd the seeds come from? God. And you're worried about you? Come on. Look, because there's a sermon everywhere. There is sermon everywhere. Patrick, some call him St. Patrick, <laughs> was taken away as a young man. He made fun. He made fun of institutional Christianity. As I know, some have, and perhaps even if you're watching, you're tempted to do. Maybe that's why you're not here. He mocked it. He would not read his Bible. Until he was taken as a slave to Ireland and forced to sit down in God's creation. And he saw the sunsets and the wind in his, his cheeks and the thunder. And he listened to the sermon. So much so he gave his life to God. And when Patrick came back to preach the gospel to Ireland, he taught them from memory all kinds of verses from the Bible because they're an illiterate people. But he also got them to memorize prayers. Here's a prayer that is fairly famous. It's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. I won't read the whole thing. But you get the idea of how much Patrick was, was instructed by the general revelation of creation. I bind myself today, the power of heaven, the light of sun, the brightness of the moon, the splendor of fire, the flashing of lightning, the swiftness of wind, the depth of sea, the stability of earth. And these are all the things that spoke to him on the hillside as he gave his life to Christ. So let God speak through creation. That would be our next spiritual practice. Our first spiritual practice, go on a hike. Go on a hike with God. Just go on a hike with God. Let God speak through creation. That would be the second one. We know God is everywhere and can show up at a gym. Go figure. Uh, we don't need a cathedral. Jesus told us that it's not about the place. It's about spirit, uh, about spirit and truth. But I also believe that God chooses places to reveal himself. Even though it's everywhere, he chooses places to reveal himself. For instance, he says, wherever two or more are gathered, there I will be. And so hold on, aren't you everywhere? You're always there anywhere. Well, no, 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 no. That's different. When we gather, I'm going to reveal more of myself when we gather. Do you know why I'm excited about church? <laughs> that might be a part of it. Do you know why I ask you, just don't come to church because, you know, you get your brownie point. No, come and gather because Jesus wants to whisper to you in the prayer corner. He wants to meet you at the communion table. He wants to fill you in worship. He wants to even whisper through his word. He wants to do all that. He wants to draw close because where two or more are gathered, guess what? He's here in a special way to reveal himself in many other ways. I think also the whole idea of place, 
place brings a set of holy expectation. Brings a set of holy expectation. God was asking Moses to take off his shoe around the burning bush. And he said, hold on, take your shoes off because it's holy ground. Now, if we went back to that same place, would we go, whoa, that's holy ground right there? No, right? You know, why was it holy ground? It was holy ground because it was a moment where God was going to reveal more of himself to Moses. And so, there are places that become holy ground. Are they there forever? No, but they're a place of expectation, of expectation that God will speak. God took Elijah to Mount Horeb because God gave the Ten Commandments there. It, there are places of expectations. They, uh, the Celts called these thin places. We've talked about this about 10 years ago. The idea of there's a thin place. I believe in our worship, there's a thin place here. Because you can come in with holy expectation. And guess what? I see our people going and praying over the seats. The prayer corner people have been bathing this place with prayer. You know, this place is just soaked with prayer. And I come in with holy expectation. You know why I'm so happy to sing everybody? Because I'm happy because they're going to meet God. Why? Because I have holy expectation in this place that God is here. You can make places of thin places yourself. And I've talked about this many times. When, when I was uh, uh, in high school, they told me, you should read your Bible. And so I'd read my Bible on my bed. <clears throat> I would get through about this much. The Lord is my ship. And yeah, that would be it. You know, if I didn't need sleeping pills, man, just give me the Bible, I'd be out. I'd be out, man. So I said, okay, I can't do that. I felt guilty. I'm going to go on a desk where I, get, where I do all my homework. So I got Bible on my desk. Okay, workstation. Okay, God is my shepherd. Wow, I really need to get that thing done. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you know, I'm I just going to jot a note down over here, right? Okay, now, okay, Lord. I wouldn't get through a verse because I got so distracted. <clears throat> so I got coached when I was in high school. Just make a place, a place where you are going to meet God. And so I picked a corner in my bedroom. And uh, I just sat there. It was uncomfortable enough that I couldn't go to sleep. And wow, I, I read through a section of scripture. That was good. So I decided to put a pillow there. That was, that was good. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was comfy. I made it. I put little pictures on the wall. I got candles in there. I made this thing like really cool. And so guess what happened? Guess what happened? Because I, every time I hit the bed, I go to sleep. I, I, it's just what I do, right? It's, I'm good at that. I, I, yeah, I, I sit at a workstation. I feel like working. You know what? I sat in my prayer corner. Guess what I felt like doing? Pray. Go thick. And so I've spent a lifetime making thin places of holy expectation to go and meet God. To come and say, God, meet me here. Last week, uh, we had our baptism. <laughs> I have a good friend that, that uh, moved away. And he came back to visit. And uh, he was close to tears. He said, Dave, I miss this place. I miss this place so much. He's going to another church. It's great. He said, uh, this, you let anybody come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I go to a place that you got to get all dressed up, and he said, man, I just miss this place, and he said, I met God again. Why? Is, is Calvin Jim all that special? 
No, that's letting you know. But he came in with holy expectation to a place that's been prayed over. And he was ready and open to have a theophany, a meeting with God, because of the landscape that he was in. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. As we dial this back and say, okay, what, what can I take with me? Can I just remind you, you're, you have a soul. And your soul needs to be fed. It needs to be fed. And I want, as your pastor, God to speak to each one of you. I do. I, I keep on thinking, you know, oh, man. Well, what happened if we could never meet, right? I want you still to walk with God because of God and how amazing he is. So I want you to walk with God and seek him with all your heart. And so how can you do that? Let's get creative. Have your devotional time, yes. Spend some time with him in prayer. And if you just don't know what to do, go for a hike. Go take a hike. And get into the sermon of creation. Let him speak to you again. As uh, I close off, I'm going to close off with the same spiritual practice we did week one. What we're going to do, we're going to breathe in. And as we breathe out, say thank you to God. Something like this. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your creation. I'm going to ask you to join me to do that for a moment, just in silence. And let's center ourselves to prepare us for worship. We love you, Lord. <laughs> Come feed our souls now as we worship you, as we pray, as we celebrate your death and resurrection. Come feed our souls. Amen. Amen.